Niels, uh, good afternoon. Thank you so much for ta- uh, taking time to talk to me. Uh, welcome to the AVM Voice podcast. So excited to have this conversation. I've been talking about this Likewise. for quite some time, right? Um, how's it going? How are things? Yeah, good. It's been busy a few a few weeks, mm. uh, really ramping up our own content strategy as well as uh, working on uh, thought leadership content for our clients. Mm-hmm. So uh, nothing to complain. Good, nice. Uh, could we start with a quick introduction about yourself, uh, the work that you do in your organization and the new background maybe? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, although I run a content agency, I have absolutely no background in uh, in marketing uh, when it comes to formal education. Yeah. Um, so I have a bachelor in business administration and then did innovation management uh, as a master's, but um yeah after working a few years in uh, in corporate uh, back here in the netherlands i realized that corporate mm. life wasn't for me so decided to to pivot and um start out as a freelancer educated myself in a few years uh, in in the wonderful world of marketing um got really excited about it um got a lot of wonderful clients that really wanted to work on content strategy and content creation. Mm. And when I had more work than I could handle myself, mm. uh, I decided to, to start the agency that Leadwave uh, is right now. Um, so as Leadwave, we are focusing on uh, producing thought leadership content that builds real authority and trust. And uh, we do this mostly for sales-led companies, uh, so mostly uh, tech companies, mm. Um, and also consulting uh, firms. Mm. And what we really specialize in is involving their subject matter experts um, to create unique content that is actually helpful and, and relevant. Um, I think we're, yeah, we will be talking about that a lot. Absolutely. How to differentiate yourself through your content. So have a few ideas on that. Um, yeah, but that's my background. Sure. So what, what got you interested in, in marketing? Are there any specific incidents or specific ideas that just strike and then you thought, I think I should try my hand in marketing? Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. I think what what captured me or what, what got my attention um, was um, for a while I was active on LinkedIn hmm. and I saw some brands uh, really um, focusing on storytelling through their uh, through their own LinkedIn posts, mm. rather than the most generic stuff that's being churned out right now on LinkedIn uh, company pages, and I was like, "Hey, I think this is where the world is going." Mm. Um, through creating um, relevant stories for audiences that really connect um, the company's products or services with with their target audience. Um, but doing it in a way that feels non-salesy. Mm. And in my corporate job, I had like the, the cold um, the cold sales approach mm. where it was just like blasting um, generic pitches, et cetera, that, that didn't feel like me. Mm. So being exposed on LinkedIn to these kind of inbound marketing strategies, I thought like, hey, this is interesting. Mm. This, this feels more like me. This feels more relevant mm. for mm. where the world is going. Um, yeah, so that's that's what got my uh, got my attention and uh, uh, got hooked. To be honest, awesome. Uh, what are, where are your clients primarily based? Do you work with clients in Europe specifically or around the world, or where? Yeah, so 
I think um, it's 50-50 between uh, United States and United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Dutch. I live in, uh, I live in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of my team is English, so I'm also the only Dutchman oh, yeah. in my own agency. So that's also quite funny, um, especially when my British colleagues are talking slang, etc. cetera. <laughs> um, but... I, um, yeah, we only have one Dutch client uh, for which we also produce English content. So it's English content only uh, produced by native English uh, mm. people. Mm. Uh, so I wanted to dig t- deep on, uh, on your framework. And I think that's where we uh, sort of spend a lot of time. But like in terms of content production between the two sets of customers between the US and Europe, right? So are there any subtle differences or cultural for example uh, and if so how do you try and incorporate yeah that's an interesting one um, I don't think I mean I don't think per se that there's a huge difference between um, the US market and and the, the UK market in a sense that it is more about particular industries and verticals mm-hmm. there that's where the real differences are so we have uh, a tech company client from the US that is serving verticals in the UK, mm. other parts in Europe, uh, as well as the US. And you see big differences in approaches in those different industries and, and verticals. So I think it's more on, on that level where you see massive differences in, in tonal voice right. uh, or in localization efforts, right. uh, but not on, on a country per country level right. per se. So what I was what I was getting to is like let's say the same message, right? So let's say a, a global company, and if you have to write have to write for the UK audience versus the US audience, do you think you will make uh, some subtle changes, or the same content sort of works in, in both the audiences? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it really depends on. Um, I mean, for me, great content always starts with um, a deep understanding of your customer, mm. right? And customers in the UK are most likely to be um, different than um, customers in the US. Hmm. So there, it, it will be too generic for me to say like, hey, there will always be a difference. Sure. It really depends on uh, the solution that you're offering or the service that you're offering. Right. Um, but I think most of the time, what you will see when doing deep customer research hmm. is that um, a specific vertical in the UK will have way different pain points than the same vertical in uh, in the US um, because of maybe different market regulations, um, different uh, ecosystems. Um, so for me, if marketers really focus on, on that deep understanding uh, of their customers, that's where they will get the insights to really be able to talk um, differently to those those different markets hmm. understood uh let's just dig deep in, into this and i think you you proposed this framework called content market fit i think the very first time i sort of got yeah. introduced it's very excited right so we've always uh read maybe practice something called product market fit right so you're talking about something called content market fit right which is something i don't think anybody else is talking so can you help us understand what you mean by content market fit and how do you approach so the take the time that you require to really help us understand how we should approach content in terms of how we produce, how do we distribute, and all of that? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think everyone um, has heard of product market fit, right? It's it's the it's the famous concept within the startup marketing world. Mm. Um, and I was thinking about this, and I was actually reading about the product market fit, and I was I was also reflecting on the client work that we have done, and I actually came to the realization that for content, mm. it's it's the same. Right. If your content marketing campaign doesn't have content market fit, it will sink without a trace. Um, and what you see is that with the the surge in uh, AI tools and AI driven content, mm-hmm. right now it has never been easier to create content uh, with a click of the button. Right. right? Um, so as a result, we're seeing more and more generic, uh, bland content. Mm-hmm. Um, that hit the web as, as companies shoot for production maximization over actual uh, human insight. And um, for me, and this is also why clients come to us, um, with so much artificially inflated competition, you you cannot re- yeah, you cannot rely on, on the old way of doing things, right? Desk research, loan won't cut it anymore because JetGPT can do it for you. So you need to dive deeper. Um, and that's where I came up with the, the concept for content market fit. Right. So um, it's, it, it's LeadWave's framework for creating relevant and, and highly effective content right. uh, for our clients. And so, so here's how it works. It has uh, three uh, uh, components. And by making sure that you hit uh, these, these three areas, um, you will find the, the content sweet spot right. um, that produces content that, that really engages um drives curiosity, but also uh, elicits action from, from your reader. Right. So the first component is you need to have a unique point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, this is and with, with the, the, the trend of AI genera- AI driven content. Um, some marketers totally forget that content should have a unique point of view because otherwise you are just um, saying the same as, as everyone else. So, most business-to-business audience include like super savvy people who really know what they're talking about. Um, so in order to persuade them and, and really build authority with them, you need to have something to say that delivers actual insights and value. Um, if you're talking, so if you're a company that focuses on um, doing business with CIOs or CTOs, mm-hmm. These are the people that don't want to hear about your generic tips for digital transformation. Mm-hmm. But it's but that's that's what's happening, right? Your audience wants to hear from industry experts, mm-hmm. as not some generic freelancer or or some AI tool. Right. So having a unique point of view is is the most um, for me the most uh, important uh, one element uh, of uh, of the content market fit. Right. The second one is focusing on your customer's urgent pain point. You need to light a fire under your readers. If you're only focusing on pain points that are low on their to-do list, they won't be as inclined uh, to read and take action. Um, So you really want to make sure that you hit um, hard on the right pain points that are important enough for them to... Uh, to take action on and to be searching a solution for. Mm. And um, important. I think it's important that 
that in-depth customer research is really needed in this to find out what, what keeps your customers and, and readers awake at night so that you can really revolve your content um, around that information. Mm-hmm. So your customer's urgent pain point is the second one. Okay. When we look at the third one, um, is your, hey, you need to tie it back to your product or service. Mm-hmm. Now, that might seem obvious, but if you cannot tie your content uh, to your product or service in some way, you won't be able to convert your readers because uh, um, ultimately you're talking, uh, what you're talking about isn't, uh, isn't what you sell. Um, so you also need to tie um, yeah, your content back to, to what you do. So conclusion for me, eh, when you have those uh, three elements in your content, um, you do have content market fit and then um, hey, you can swim against the tide and, and really stand out from the crowd. Um, but I see that most companies don't have content market fit uh, and hence they are yeah, simply adding to a rising sea of mm. generic content. Mm. Interesting. So where does competition, for example, comes into this three dimension that you just talked about? Do you sort of incorporate or is it part of the research or... How do you incorporate that particular insight? Yeah, that's an interesting question. To be honest, I um, we don't really focus on on competitors as much okay. as other agencies uh, may do. Mm-hmm. I do think that there is a place and time for competitor research, just to see like what they are up to. Are there any content gaps that you can fill uh, that you're competitors are not um, uh, are not exploiting for instance right. but ultimately but that, this is my personal point of view is that uh, as a company you want to focus on your own strengths mm-hmm. and you don't want to be misled or um, you don't want to be um, unfocused for uh, for what your competitors uh, are, are doing. Makes sense. Um, yeah. Sure. And how, how do you put this framework to use? So do you maintain some sort of a checklist? And where does this really apply, right? So let's say website, social, there are multiple channels on which we produce content, right? So how do you sort of implement something like this? And, and somebody yeah. who... Maybe they wanted to self-implement, right? So what would you advise to those set of people? Yeah, absolutely. I think when creating a piece, um, whether it's for social or whether it's for your uh, website, um, it always starts with a content brief, right? right? So these three elements should be embedded in your content brief for it to be um, consistently put out in, in your content and, and for it to be consistently uh, present mm. in your content. Because if you don't do that consistently, you um, yeah you essentially lose sight of it. And then chances are that over time, you are just doing um, what you were previously doing sure. uh, and not, not having that content market fit, right? So I think it starts with the content brief and, and good coordination. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's not a concept that you just do once and then uh, set and forget. It's really something that needs to be part of the marketing identity uh, for for a company. So either you have an agency that is really focused on 
um, on implementing this for uh, um, for a client, or you have like a head of marketing or a content marketing manager that is really focused on um, yeah on on using this framework for all of, all of the content pieces that you uh, that you focus right. on. Um, and after practice, what you will also see, yeah. So, for instance, you asked, "How do I apply this um, in from a day-to-day perspective?" Correct. Um, and one of the one of the elements is understanding your customers' urgent pain points. Right. That starts with a deep understanding uh, uh, of your customers. So, go talk to them. Schedule um, a twenty-minute call with your best customers, uh, listen to recordings of sales calls, join calls with your customer success managers, for instance, and really take note of the questions that your prospects are asking, uh, the questions that your customers are asking, the language that they're using, um, the way that they are describing their challenges or or pain points, um, and really documenting that well so that you have this list of um, endless ideas and and uh, information right for the picking for your uh, for the content that you want to create. Mm. Um, I think your your had a second element in the content market fit, which is your uh, tying it back to your product or service mm. that requires like a good understanding of what you offer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is something that every marketer uh, should have, so that should come more natural. Um, when it comes to your unique point of view, that's an interesting one. I think a lot of companies have trouble understanding and identifying what their best story is. Right. Um, and I think the reason for that is because they realize um, or they don't realize that their internal subject matter experts should be the one guiding those discussions and conversations. Mm-hmm. So what we really try to do when working with the client, we go in and we say like, hey, these are the topics that we want to talk about. These are the angles um, that we uh, that we want to talk about. And let's go find the best subject matter experts within your company that have something interesting to say about that. So then we are going to interview them. And then based on these interviews, we are going to use um, their insights, their ideas, their quotes to craft that narrative around a, uh, around a certain topic. And I think when you talk to the subject matter experts, is you will f- you will soon enough find a unique point of view around a certain topic, um, because essentially when you talk um, with these experts. They talk from experience, from years of experience. Um, that's something that ChatGPT uh, cannot do. They just, um, the AI tools, they just look at uh, summaries or they are just churning out summaries, right? Um, so really leaning and focusing on that uh, expertise from uh, those subject matter experts. That's, that's where the real goal is uh, in terms of uh, creating unique, relevant content for your audience. Interesting. Very interesting. And this framework, according to you, is this a marketing framework or it also overlaps with sales content, for example? Uh, how do you view it or how have you designed this? 
being a marketing company, um, it is originally focused on, um, on, on as, as a marketing concept, mm. um, but it's definitely applicable for, for product and sales as well, mm. especially for sales, right? Yeah. Um, when you look at the, the typical messages that, that everyone gets, um, like, hey, are you looking for new clients? Uh, we do lead gen and um, can we chat? next uh, Tuesday, I mean, those, those kind of generic messages are not going to cut it anymore. Um, so also for sales, it's important to have a kind of certain kind of uniqueness to really stand out. Your message obviously needs to tie back to your product or service. Um, and it also really needs to tie back on your customer's urgent pain points, right? So having that unique point of view, tie back to your product or service, um, and really hammering hard on your customer's urgent pain point or your prospect's urgent pain point in this case. Right. Falls in the same um, in the same framework. Yeah, sure. I'm just wondering, I think you talked about research, right? So maybe is there a way you can explain that taking an example of a recent project that you've executed? So what are the sources, right? So typically one should go after. Uh, I think usually it's LinkedIn, right? So go to person's profile just see scan through what they've done talk and things like that right in in some industries right so where uh, the executives for example they're not digitally present right so how do you basically address those industries which are not like digital adoption is is not there right practically let's say in let's say in um, pharmaceuticals and those are sort of like old school industries, right? So they're not there and they're not talking. Maybe they're attending conferences and things like that, but you don't have access, right? So for, for that kind of an audience, how do you approach this or implement this framework? Research in general. Uh, from, a, from a marketing perspective, you would say? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, th there are so many uh, sources for, for information uh, that you that you have, even though when you have a little harder to, um, to reach audience. Um, I think a lot of companies don't realize that they are sitting on a gold mine of data that will help them understand their customer better, mm -hmm. even when the audience seems hard to reach yeah. or hard to understand. So for me, um, I'm, I'm about. Uh, keeping things simple as possible right. and really looking what you already have. So go back to sales calls, uh, recordings. Um, you have those, right? Prospects that are asking questions um, that bring up their pain points. Um, every marketer should listen to those recordings to really understand the language that their prospects are using, the questions that they are asking, um, how they are describing their challenges or, or pain points. Yeah. Um, but also more uh, or less straightforward things such as support tickets, mm. right? Mm. What support tickets does your service desk uh, get? What type of problems do they um, face? Um, your customer success department, what kind of questions are they answering uh, each and every day? Yeah ask your customer success manager if you can join one of um, the conversations with um, with your customer. Mm. Uh, 
Um, that's pure content gold. And it really helps to understand in a detailed way who you are actually talking to. Field events. Go to field events, conferences. Um, chat with the, the attendees. Uh, organize a roundtable. Um, go to online communities, right? Whether it's Reddit or LinkedIn. Um mine the uh, the discussions there mm. listen to industry podcasts where these hard to hard to reach CEOs uh, are being featured sure. or where they are guests and listen to what they are talking about um, there are so many onset resources for this kind of information um, but yeah for some reason companies seem to don't seem to really see them. I guess that's one of the reasons that why you exist, right? Agencies like yours exist. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. But it's, 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 it's not rocket science. It isn't. Right? Yeah, and, and, agree, yeah. And, and, and that, that's also what surprises me often is that, uh, I mean, it's not rocket science, but uh, I think as marketers, we really tend to overcomplicate things. Mm just because there's a new technology yeah. around the corner or hey, we are chasing the, the next shiny object. Mm. Um, but I think when you keep things really simple, you understand that you already have a lot of information and data that you can use to create relevant and effective content. Right. You, you mentioned ChatGPT at least four times, if my counting was right, right? <laughs> as a content agency, right? Do you see them as friends or enemies? Um, I definitely see them as friends, right? Um, I think when ChatGPT first came around at massive scale, I think it was January or February this year, um, it took a few days for me to really figure out like, hey, what is going on and should I be worried? Mm. But after a few weeks of monitoring the discussions online and trying it out myself, um, I've really seen, yeah. I've, I've really become to see it as a um, as a friend and as a tool that is that is useful. Um, I think there's there's no reason to to be afraid, right? Um, I think for for Leadwave as um, as a company, ChatGPT is currently the reason why we are thriving, mm -hmm. and the reason why I say that is because um ai tools really produce mediocre content right. right so it's impossible to create new ideas only using an ai tool because chat gpt and, and google bard they are really literally summarizing existing ideas from the internet yeah so companies that realize that good content is not the generic content that everyone is churning out from these ai tools mm understand that it's important to source unique insights and ideas from their subject matter experts mm. um, because those subject matter experts have what AI doesn't have, which is unique experience, unique insights, unique ideas. And that's what I need help with. Mm. And that's something that AI um, yeah, cannot do yet. Right, yeah. So that's my next question. What are the chances, let's say, in chat, sorry, in, in GPD 4 and 4.5 or 5 that they take 
content market fit framework is an input right and does all of what you say that a human has to do when do you think some sort of a magic like that happen if at all is there a possibility that th this can happen so all we are talking about here is doing research and we, we just spoke about content the the insights being available in, in different sources right so the way the models are built today they don't have access but i think in, in the further versions right so if we just provide access to it I, I think at some point of time it's going to do what we are talking here do you think one day not too far from now that, that's likely to happen speculating but i just want to the technology and the pace of development of this technology is bizarre. Mm. Uh, it's, it's astonishing to see what these AI tools can do, right? Right. Um, I'm definitely no AI expert, sure. but I'm sure that uh, in a few years, these AI tools will be able to do much and much more than they are now. And the writing quality may increase, um, the storytelling features may increase. But I think what a lot of marketers don't realize is that for AI to be really effective, they need to be commanded, mm. right? They are, they need to be um, a co-pilot yeah. for it to be super effective. So still, I think a few years, few years down the line, I still don't, I still wouldn't see AI as, as a, as a threat because you still need the context and the strategizing mm. that AI simply cannot do. Um, that that's a marketer's job. That's a strategist's job. Sure. And I think in in that regard, it will be a huge opportunity for marketing because AI will allow them to um, save time on certain aspects of content creation. Uh, so it will act as a huge time saver. Mm which allows them to create better content at scale sure. because they can now spend more time on strategizing yeah. and exactly. So th that's where I see it heading. Okay. That's good. So just switch gears. Uh, one or two, just quickly touch upon your approach in terms of how you're building your own community audience, right? On LinkedIn specifically. And that's where we got connected, right? So, so you, uh, I think, so you're, whether it comes to consistency or the quality of content that you produce, right? It's, it's a, a pretty like what you've been speaking about, right? So it's just like produced with a lot of value, right? So there is a lot of takeaways and things like that. So what's your approach? What's your thought process in terms of producing that? And how should, what's your general advice for somebody who wants to build such an audience? Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you mentioning that. And it's something that I've been working hard on in terms of my own LinkedIn posts and really being consistent with that. Um, for me, it's all about having a clear plan and being value-led. So how can you create value for your audience um, without being salesy? Hmm. So it's it's my goal to really build trust at scale. And I focus on the 95% of people that are not in the market for my services right now. Hmm. Because over time, this approach gives me far better results. Right. They're producing like salesy content that focuses on the 5% hmm. of the people that are in market, right? People love to buy, but they don't like um, being sold. Sold, yeah. So um, for me, it, 
it, it all starts with having a clear plan. So anyone who is reluctant to start on LinkedIn, um, create like a clear plan that starts with identifying the urgent pain points of your audience, right? So I work with marketing managers and, and content managers at tech companies and consulting firms. And over the past few years, I had a lot of conversations with them to identify their urgent pain points. I've listed them all down in one uh, master document. And it essentially comes down to three key things. They're not getting enough results from their content. Um, They're lacking ideas to create high-impact content that really moves the needle for them. Or they're doing random acts of content um, without a real content strategy behind it. Um, so then once you have that information, the next step for me is to create content that really that really revolves around these urgent pain points and provide unique, non-obvious insight um, that will help my audience to mm. create better content. That makes sense. So yeah, that, 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 that's my approach in a nutshell. Makes sense. So once you produce a content, a piece of content, right? So what's your idea of... Uh advice or practice around refreshing as well as repurposing? Yeah, great question. I think um, a lot of companies don't realize that they probably already have a lot of existing content that can be repurposed in a good way, uh, especially in an economic landscape where budgets are tied, resources are tied. Um, Companies would do good to have a critical look um, at their existing content and, and really analyze like, hey, what is the content uh, that we could reuse and, and repurpose for, for different channels? Yeah. Um, so I think personally, I always advise clients focus on one channel first when it comes to repurposing mm. or distributing. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, this is LinkedIn. Um, I think a lot of companies make the mistake of, of doing too much at once. Right. And once they have focused on all these different channels with all different types of content, then they go back and say, well, these channels didn't perform well. Um, so that's always why I say focus on one channel first, dominate that channel. And then uh, once you've dominated, once you're dominating that channel, then uh, add a second one so that you really can be focused about your efforts. Right. Um, when you look at your existing content, analyze which articles, podcasts, or, or webinars um, have been performing well and, and start repurposing them. Mm. Um, for instance, um, you can easily write 20 LinkedIn posts from one article that has, let's say, 2,000 words mm. with various angles, various images. Um, so, yeah, if you ask me, companies need to be smarter about their repurposing strategies because right now a lot of marketing teams are not getting the, the most out of the content um, that they've already invested in. Right. The content uh, market uh, fit framework, how do you think it can be adopted for an ABM sort of marketing, right? So while I think the, what, what you talked about is general best practices, but are there any nuances, subtleties that needs to be changed to apply for an ABM kind of a scenario? Yeah, absolutely. I think with any ABM campaign, you are trying to segment your target list, yep. right? Because you want to have a more focused approach. Right. Um, 
I think what can be done better in those instances is that bef uh, before you are segmenting your target list, uh, always make sure that the pain points are the same for the segment that you're targeting. Mm. Because otherwise, uh, you run the risk of, uh, you run the risk of being irrelevant. Right. You want to hit your target uh, list hard on the pain points because that's where the real pain is. Um, but if you're if you're hitting wrong, if you're hitting the wrong buttons, mm. it's a waste of time and money. So I would definitely advise companies uh, to segment their target list based on similar pain points mm. and. For me personally, that will be the main criteria uh, for segmentation there. Very interesting. I think it's a good way of thinking how to segment, right, and create these tiers. Really good. Um, what about content personalization, right? Again, in the context of ABM, right? So you're, you're trying to be as personal as possible, especially when you're driving one to few, one to many type of ABM, right? Personalization, where does it fit into the overall scheme of your framework? Uh, again, it really comes down to understanding your customer and your reader. Um, so what is the urgent pain point that you are having a solution for? And whether you are applying a one-to-many or a one-to-one -one focus for your ABM campaign, you do want to make sure that you're hitting um, the right pain points because ultimately you want to sell um, a painkiller rather than a vitamin. Mm. And um, yeah, so for me, it, it comes down to deep, a deep understanding of your um, of your customers. Um, and once you have that, it doesn't matter whether you're doing a one-to-one -one or a one-to-many campaign. Sure. Um, because then you have already segments of your list hmm. for, yeah, uh, for it in order to be effective. Sure. That's good. Uh, I think excellent set of points, right? Uh, I've learned uh, quite a bit of uh, things around, right? How do you now start thinking the content marketing piece with this methodology, right? And how do you approach it like very tactically in terms of these three dimensions that I talked about? Thank you so much for uh, sharing this. Appreciate you, you coming and taking time and talking to me. Uh, do you have any final... Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, how should people reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, people can find me on LinkedIn. I post every weekday there. Um, love to network with uh, people. So definitely feel free to uh, to send me a DM or uh, engage with uh, with me in uh, in the comments. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me looking at the marketing landscape as it is, um, I think a lot of companies can benefit from involving their internal subject matter experts in the content creation process. Start interviewing them or have them write content for you um, because it's a critical factor in differentiation, mm. right? Um, because it's it's the only way to really stand out from the pack that is churning out AI content uh, faster than than the speed of light. Right. Um, ultimately, once people uh, really put themselves in the shoes of of their audience, they will come to the realization that your reader wants to hear from industry experts, right. and your internal experts are your source 
for your unique quotes, ideas, experience that your competitors can only dream of. Mm. Uh, mm. And that's when you start building real relevance and, and authority. Mm. I think bottom line focus on building value-based content. That's something that's going to be useful solving some problems, pain points, acting as a vitamin instead of just trying to just like fill your websites and blog CMS with a lot of content, which is going to be like trashing. Excellent. Thank you, Niels. Thanks a lot. This has been like a pleasure talking to you. Likewise. Cheers. Cheers.